When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. The Hartford understands protecting your business with the proper insurance can be a challenge. The Hartford team can provide coverage to suit your industry. The Hartford empowers mid- to large-size companies like yours to help manage risk, from liability and property insurance to workers' comp and more. Let the Hartford help protect what's unique about your business. Learn how at thehartford.com. We're joined by Bloomberg Sound On anchor Joe Matthew. It's great to have him. And Democratic Senator Mark Warner to chew on the news that we got today, of course. Finally, the announcement the Federal Reserve will remain helmed by Fed Chair Powell, but coming in as Vice Chair Lael Brainard. Mm. We are still waiting to hear who will be nominated for the three remaining seats over at the Federal Reserve. But, Senator, first and foremost, your reaction to the picks? Well, I think it was great news. I think um, in J-PAL, we not only have continuity, we have someone that the markets are comfortable with. We have someone that uh, both Democrats and res Republicans alike respect. I think he will be overwhelmingly reconfirmed as, as chair. And in Leo Brainerd, uh, as one of the vice chairs, again, we've got a known quantity um, very, very strong credentials on the Democratic side. I think it's a great one-two punch. Senator, I wonder, as someone who will be among the first to vote on these picks through your role on the Finance Committee, if you agree with the administration when it comes to its baseline argument on inflation, is it transitory or will prices continue to rise through next year? Well, I think we've all been a bit surprised at uh, how big the inflation bump has been, uh, although we're obviously in uncharted territory. We've never gone through a complete economic shutdown and how long it's taking uh, to get the, the economy reopened. I think we have seen certain blump, uh, blips that have been transitory. I point to lumber earlier in the year, how high the costs went up and they've started to come down. I'm starting to hear some better things in terms of shipping, and hopefully that will come down. But I do hope uh, my advice uh, to the Fed chair will be that um, I hope we could see a little bit of tapering and maybe that moving a little bit uh, uh, faster than, uh, than earlier in terms of uh, the Fed's acquisition of, of uh, expanding its, its balance sheet. Um, but we, again, this is uncharted territory, so I generally agree it's transitory, but I also tend to believe that it could be, for the short term, at least all of the next 60, 90 days getting us through the holiday season, it could get a little bit worse before it gets better. Senator Warner, of course, your Democratic colleague, Elizabeth Warren, was also perhaps less uh, jubilant about the continuity coming from Jay Powell. Her worry has, of course, been the oversight of Wall Street. Leo Brainard, many felt, would perhaps be more tough in that respect, but we're still waiting to fill three other seats at the Federal Reserve, most no notably the supervisory role when it comes to the banks. What are you expecting from the role of the Federal Reserve there, or indeed the other administration appointees who have yet to be confirmed? Well, I'm anxious for the administration to move a bit quicker on its other nominees, particularly the regulatory uh, supervision. Uh, I appreciate, while I've not always 
agreed with that Randy Quarles. Um, I did appreciate the fact that uh, he's been willing to kind of move on to give the president um, uh, more flexibility. Um, you know, I don't, I'm not sure I agree with all my colleagues that, that we've seen this, uh, uh, any kind of dramatic relaxation, particularly on the largest institutions. I think the basic framework we put forward in Dodd-Frank has stood its test of time. Uh, obviously, uh, we, we, we've gone through a pandemic and a complete economic shutdown. And um, while many parts of the economy suffered, the, the financial, financial sector did not take the kind of hits uh, that if we hadn't put the kind of capital reserves in place out of Dodd-Frank. So uh, I, I would give the sector, uh, you know, while there may be individual areas I would have done differently, but I think I would have given it uh, a very passing grade. And I think, candidly, a lot of that was due to the reforms after the last financial crisis. Senator Warner, President Biden today in rolling out his pick said that Chair Powell, assuming that he will be renominated or reconfirmed, I should say, will make climate change an issue, will acknowledge and try to mitigate the impact of climate change. Knowing that a dozen Republican senators sent a letter to Chair Powell last summer essentially criticizing the Fed for changing its tone and mission here. Do you believe that that would be the case? What would that mean for the mission of the central bank? Well, I don't know any sophisticated investor that doesn't think taking in to consideration some of the uh, hidden costs that are being brought about by, by climate change uh, we, we need to have those costs factored into the system. We need to have more visibility. Uh, we just went through a year where a third of America couldn't go outside during the summer because of forest fires. Another third in the South were constantly uh, besieged by, by hurricanes. And we had more deaths, uh, frankly, in flooding in, in New York, uh, in basements than we even had from the hurricanes. So the mm -hmm. notion that we could ignore climate uh, again, I don't know any sophisticated investor that doesn't think this should be high, I believe, not only on the Fed, but I think on all central banks' agenda. It's interesting, of course. There's plenty of worry when it comes to the energy crisis. That dovetails nicely into the consideration of the climate as well. We have been seeing gas prices spike significantly over in Europe. Much of that coming at... We see tensions rise between Russia and Europe, whether it comes to Nord Stream 2, also when we see, of course, a build-up of troops we understand being reported in the, on the border of the Ukraine. That's affecting the corn market as well today. From your perspective, Senator, is enough being done in the relationship, the geopolitical relationship between the U.S. and Russia at this moment? Well, I also happen to be the chairman of the Intelligence Committee. And the one thing we are sure of is that Vladimir Putin likes to stir the pot. And his overarching goal is not only vis-a-vis -vis America, but vis-a-vis -vis NATO to try to keep us off balance. Obviously, he has a historic view about Ukraine that the vast majority of Ukrainians don't share. I think the one thing that uh, unites Ukrainians, whether they are in the West or even in the Donbass and some of the Eastern regions, is when you see Putin and his forces start to mass. Uh, I was in the UK just a week ago, and uh, this is clearly top of mind um, amongst our British friends. My hope would be that the balance of NATO would continue to send uh, that message to Putin about adventuresome, adventure tactics around Ukraine would be destabilizing for the whole region. My hope as well that other nations, uh, the last thing the world needs is uh, 
Putin messing in Ukraine at this moment as the overall global economy tries to come back from, from COVID. Senator Mark Warner, we always wish we had more time with you. Thank you so much for your time. And Rimbo's Joe Matthew was sound on. You're going to be sticking with us, I'm pleased to say, because we'll have so much more after this break. Stay tuned. We're talking more politics, more power. This is Bloomberg. Meet Gary. Gary's about to become an Einstein in an instant. Whoa, Einstein hair. I like it. That's right, Gary, because you're using Salesforce powered by Einstein AI to connect data, predict business trends, generate personalized content, and wow customers. I do feel a lot smarter. Because you're not just Gary anymore. You're Gary, empowered by Einstein AI. Did you hear that, team? I'm an Einstein. Oh, can I get a selfie? The number one AI CRM. Now everyone's an Einstein with Salesforce. We return to D.C., where my colleague and host of Sound On, Joe Matthew, is with us, standing by for all of his radio listeners. And we want to return to the White House, where we're joined by the president's top economic advisor, Brian Deese. He's the White House director of the National Economic Council. Wonderful to have you with us, Brian. And first and foremost, it took a while to get these announcements. But what do you make of the reaction? The market seems to think that we've got a slightly more hawkish bent with Fed Chair Powell at the helm. And certainly the rates being factored into the market uh, that we could see our first hike as soon as June. Well, the president's focus in nominating both Jay Powell and Leo Brainerd today was to focus on people with experience, expertise, and independent judgment. And we feel very good that we found two individuals with unmatched experience, uh, sound judgment, crisis tested coming through this crisis. And both of them together spent a lot of time working on this new monetary policy framework a commitment to a strong, robust recovery that brings everybody along. So we feel uh, very good uh, about these two individuals. Uh, we feel good about the reaction to them, and we hope that we will get them confirmed quickly here and in place. Brian, just to add on to uh, Caroline's question here, uh, the timing of this announcement, we've been talking about this, of course, for weeks. I wonder what took so long to make what apparently was such a non-controversial announcement with Powell and Brainerd. Why wait till today? Well, the president's deliberate about these issues. The stakes on these decisions are high. Uh, and by making the announcement now, what we're signaling is uh, two very strong individuals who we think will now have plenty of time to be considered by the Senate and confirmed before the end of these uh, terms. So yes. I think it's a, a appropriate moment to get this uh, rolling. And I think also will be good for reinforcing something the president reinforced today, which is the independence and the credibility of the Fed. Uh, it's incredibly important that we reinforce the independence of this vital institution. I think the president, you see the president prioritizing that in his announcements today, and the timing helps to reinforce that these folks can and will be confirmed yeah. in time before their terms expire. Senator Elizabeth Warren says she will not vote for Jay Powell to continue in this role as chair. Not a big surprise there. I wonder if when the president met with Senator Warren, he asked for her support, or is the White House counting on some Republicans to make up for progressive votes either in the banking committee or on the floor? Well, Senator Warren's a enormous has enormous expertise in this area and is a trusted uh, partner of this White House and of the president. Uh, and we're certainly uh, grateful to have her support for uh, for Leo Brainerd as vice chair uh, and also understand that uh, Chairman Powell will have broad support uh, in uh, in the Senate. Uh, we've seen that over the course of the day today uh, from uh, Republicans and Democrats, the chair of the um, uh, of the relevant committee in the uh, in uh, in the Senate, as well as the Congressional Progressive Caucus. And so I think what you're going to see here is uh, support from Republicans and Democrats to reinforce the importance of the independence of the Federal Reserve. So um, we're, we're confident that both uh, 
uh, Jay Powell and Leo Brenner will be confirmed, and also that we're going to work with uh, supporters and detractors alike, particularly as we look to this next set of nominees that the president has to make, importantly, mm. the vice chair for supervision who will oversee uh, bank regulatory issues. Talk to us about overseeing bank issues as well and regulation. How much, how aggressive will that person be from your perspective? Because that's what a lot of the progressives are calling for. Well, I don't want to get ahead of the president's choice, but what you did hear him say today is that he's focused on identifying somebody who has the credentials, the expertise, and the toughness to do that job. It's an incredibly important job at the Fed. And I think that in his conversations with both Jay Powell and Leo Brainerd, they are looking forward to having somebody in that role and will defer to the expertise of that person. Uh, and so it will be a very important pick and an important complement, including uh, the additional two governor's spots beyond that that the president will have an opportunity to nominate. So all three of those individuals will help to fill out the slate uh, at the Fed. And that's something the president, again, is going to take very seriously. We'll focus on getting done here in the next couple of weeks. Brian, tell us more about those remaining seats and, and those remaining announcements by the president, who today said they would bring new perspectives and different voices to the central bank. How would they change the mission of the Fed? What did he mean by that? Well, I don't think they changed the core mission at all. And you heard the president reinforce today the importance of the Fed's independence in pursuing the dual mandate around maximum employment and price stability. What they would bring is diversity of perspective and thought that's so necessary to actually make those decisions in a thoughtful and independent way. Uh, the president is committed to the idea that a body that makes such vital decisions for the American economy should reflect America and re should reflect the uh, diversity of life experiences uh, that this economy uh, reflects. And so I think you'll see people who have real expertise, expertise in the field, uh, but also bring perspectives that we haven't had uh, on the, the Fed board historically and that yeah. will really add to the decision making process. So assuming you've got a short list uh, there, Brian, do you expect announcements by the end of the year? That's certainly our focus. So we're, we're going to try to get it done here in the next couple of weeks. And as you try to get those names dotted and T's crossed, I'm, I'm interested in when you talk about diversity at the Federal Reserve level, it's important to have those sorts of viewpoints when we see inequality growing within the economy. When we have such an eco economy that is roaring but not bringing absolutely everyone with it, we still saw then the previous Labour data, the fact that women of colour in particular are being left behind, the fact that we're still not seeing participation rate at where you want it when it comes to women and indeed black men. How do you hope that the Federal Reserve might be able to ease some of that growing inequality? Well, one of the things that the president was uh, most impressed by about both uh, Chairman Powell and Leo Brainerd's service over the last couple of years has been their focus on developing this new monetary policy framework that really puts at the center maximum employment broadly defined and looks at driving an economic recovery that actually brings along parts of the labor market and parts of our uh, society that have previously not benefited uh, from economic growth and economic opportunity. And so uh, that's a framework that is new and important and one that I think both Chair Powell and Lael Brainerd will be committed to pursuing, uh, even as we go into uncertain periods and need to deal, obviously, with the, uh, with the threat of inflation. So that's going to be important on the monetary policy side. On the fiscal policy side, that is a core focus of uh, our agenda, our economic agenda. It's something that the infrastructure bill will help to support and the Build Back Better agenda by investing, for example, in lowering the cost of child care and elder care 
would be a key way to help more women, particularly women of color, get back into the workforce. We've seen this pandemic create really unfair disadvantages for low-income parents who have to make the choice yeah. between stepping out of the workforce to care for a child uh, or remaining there. We could solve that issue, get more people back to work in a more equitable way uh, by some of the investments in that package. Brian, how has your own view on inflation evolved these past weeks with some of the data that we have seen? It's become a daily conversation, a full-time job almost uh, for this West Wing. Do you see prices continuing to rise until the Fed can knock them lower with interest rate hikes? Well, the prices are high now, uh, no question, and that is affecting American consumers. Uh, at the same time, we are looking at the actions we can take uh, as an administration to try to address those. I think a lot of the drivers behind that is that we still have COVID globally. It's affecting supply chains. It's affecting the supply-demand balances. We certainly expect that to ease uh, across time. But, for example, tackling something like the supply chain challenges at our ports allows us to really make concrete progress. A couple of weeks ago, the president brought uh, stakeholders together to get our ports on the West Coast to go 24-7. In the last couple of weeks, we've seen the dwell time, the amount of time that a container sits at port, fall by a third. Shipping costs globally fallen by about a quarter over the last couple of weeks. So we're seeing some concrete progress there. On the issue of gas prices, we've been very focused. You can uh, anticipate the president's going to talk more about that over the coming uh, days. So we're going to do what we can to try to address these issues head on, uh, while uh, the Fed, we expect, will use its tools uh, and make those judgments independently. White House Director of the National Economic Council, Brian Dees, out in the cold for us. We thank you very much. So meanwhile, we thank also Joe Matthew for sticking with us. Much more as we return. Stay with us. This is Bloomberg. Broadcasting live from our nation's capital, Bloomberg 99.1, to New York, Bloomberg 1130, to Boston, Bloomberg 1061, to San Francisco, Bloomberg 960, to the country, Sirius XM Channel 119, and around the globe, the Bloomberg Business App and BloombergRadio.com. This is Bloomberg Sound On with Joe Matthew. Headline on the terminal, Biden dodges risk of Senate showdown with Powell Brainerd ticket. Welcome to a special edition of Sound On. I'm Joe Matthew in Washington. Now that we've heard from Senator Mark Warner and from the president's chief economic advisor, Brian Deese, director of the National Economic Council, we circle the wagons here on the radio and assemble the panel with Bloomberg Politics contributors Jeannie Shanzano and Rick Davis Jeannie, I'll start with you. Is this the dream ticket? As Peter Ortag mentioned earlier, for Democrats here, you maintain continuity at the top of the Fed. You make progressives happy by promoting Lael Brainerd. Everybody goes home pleased with votes to confirm. Am I right? I think you're right for the moment, but hmm. he has other picks to come, and I foresee those being much less kumbaya, if you will. And I think we may see a progressive sacrificial person who is put up for one of those roles to satisfy the progressives because while they are content to the for the moment with Brainard and you know less so if you talk you listen to Warren Warner um, Elizabeth Warren and others with Powell they are going to now be pushing for somebody focused on climate somebody strong mm -hmm. on regulation somebody diverse and Joe Biden's going to have to answer those calls or he's going to have trouble getting his picks through and Republicans won't be as happy with who he names before we get that far, Rick Davis, I want you to listen to Joe Biden today at the White House. Some will no doubt question why I'm renominating Jay. 
when it was a choice of a Republican predecessor. Why am I not picking a Democrat? Why am I, why am I not picking fresh blood or taking the Fed in a different direction? Put directly, at this moment both of a both enormous potential and enormous uncertainty for our economy, we need stability and independence at the Federal Reserve. It's as simple as that, Rick Davis. Was he speaking to Elizabeth Warren or more than that? You know, I think he was trying to talk to a much broader audience. And, and I, it's a little confusing to me, too, because the echo out of the White House about the importance of the independence of the Fed, I, you're, in your interview with Brian Deese, he mentioned the same thing. Has the Fed not been independent? I mean, is this an issue we're worried about? I mean, I, I don't remember the time in the recent memory where we had a big yeah. issue with the independence of the Fed. Now, if it was a reaction to Donald Trump trying to push the Fed in a certain direction, then maybe they should say that. Uh, but I, I, I'll be honest with you. I mean, other than continuity, independence is, is the biggest issue they've been remarking about. And I yeah. don't even understand what the problem is. Is that just the, the life of a Democratic president reappointing a Republican as chair? It's about independence, Rick Davis. Well, it's obviously got to be part of his message to Democrats is like, uh, I'm not appointing a Democrat because I am being independent. And maybe that is the ultimate uh, uh, message that the president is trying to get through. But mm -hmm. I, I did think it was a little odd the way they rolled this out. I mean, this is obviously continuity week. They could have done this on Friday. He was notifying members of Congress, senators, that he was going to make these appointments on Friday. We all thought they would do this before the weekend. But this is the way you launch a whole week of activity. Otherwise, uh, anything else you do this week is just going to step on this story. So uh, I think the White House has finally gotten around to this, and, yeah. and, and now we'll see how long it sticks. Is this continuity week, Jeannie? I kind of like that. I say we go with it. And might that suggest that there are more imminent announcements to follow? I had asked Brian Deese just now if by the end of the year he said, yeah, but we could do this tomorrow, I'm assuming, if the White House wanted to. They could, and that's been one of the head-scratching parts of this whole story has been why this has taken so long. Um, you know, just to go back to the point about independence, I do think there is something else going on here. I do think they are trying to make an argument that Donald Trump was putting too much pressure on the Fed. Mm -hmm. um, he didn't go with tradition in terms of keeping Yellen. But there's also something else here. I think Joe Biden is trying to send a message that there are limits to what he can do do about the all-important issue of inflation. He can appoint <laughs> the Fed chair, but yep. they are independent. So what they choose to do is something he can't control. So I read that as a political message to Democrats, Republicans, particularly as we look at the midterms, that the Fed is independent and his arms are tied when it comes to pressuring them, whether to raise interest rates, taper, and, and all of these other steps that they may be able to take. Brian Deese was speaking to uh, the experience. This was experience day. Uh, Rick, Powell, Brainerd, these are the longtime steady hands at the Fed, or at least this is what we want you to think. Is that why he did not uh, roll out the other names today to fill these other seats? The market obviously wants to see the whole picture here at some point. This is a White House that seems comfortable waiting. Yeah, and they obviously have waited quite some time to make these two unsurprising picks um, and, and, and you're right. They certainly could have rolled out the whole slate. Uh, I, I think these are the easy ones to get through confirmation and the pressure has been on to get these two out. So I think they've relate, released some of the gas in the tire, uh, by, uh, by announcing this and they'll get mm -hmm. a quick confirmation. I mean, last time 
Uh, Jay Powell was uh, 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 voted in by the Senate. It was 84 to 13. This is not going to be a heavy lift. Uh, right. So I think that that's what they were after is a quick and good win and putting someone in there who could start to beat back some of the negative press he's getting on inflation. And I think that's the pressure that's on Powell. And Jeannie, it sounds like there are enough Republicans to lose more than Senator Elizabeth Warren. Is the president concerned about progressives right now or not? Uh, not on these picks. Uh, you know, he, he's lost three, as we can count. Um, but he has enough Republican support, I think, to have, you know, a, a certainly not a unanimous vote, as we know. But certainly uh, Powell will, will you know, sort of move through very quickly, um, as will Brainard. But again, when you're talking about the next three to come, this next shoe that's going to drop, mm-hmm. that's going to be a lot more contentious. And I think the White House knows that because progressives are going to push back and I I am looking for a sacrificial lamb when it comes to one of these next yeah. three. Wow. Here's what the president said about them today. Beyond Jay and Lale, I look forward in the coming weeks to nominating additional members of the Federal Reserve Board of Governors, including a new vice chair for supervision. These individuals will help safeguard our financial system and alongside Jay and Lale's leadership, help to support and continue this historic economic recovery. While Jay and Lale bring continuity and stability to the Fed, my additions will bring new perspectives and new voices. I also pledge that my additions will bring new diversity to the Fed. Interesting how he played those against each other, uh, Rick. Jay and Lale are equal to continuity. Everyone else coming, we got changes. Yeah, he's going to throw some rocks at some windows, it sounds like. (laughs) uh, What's that going to look like, though? I mean, how, how could acknowledging climate change actually change the course of the Fed, or am I oversimplifying? Oh, I think you're oversimplifying. I mean, this is going to be, uh, remember what he said, new perspectives, uh, diversity, range of voices. voices. I mean, these are sort of Democratic talking points for, you know, putting in uh, people who are going to resemble more uh, the Democratic coalition. And these two, uh, Lael and Jay, as he likes to put it, (laughs) I'm not sure I like the idea of using first names for (laughs) Fed, uh, but uh, Lael and Jay are, you know, pretty right down the middle of, of, uh, you know, uh, the population. So, you know, he wants to, and by the way, this has been what they've done in their administration admirably uh, all along. They, they apply a diversity uh, formula to this and an ideological diversity formula where, you know, they're going to be both, uh, 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 progressive liberals and, and moderates. And so mm-hmm. the moderates are done. And so you're going to see some progressive liberals coming up next. Fascinating insights from Rick and Jeannie. Why don't we just call it the Lale and Jay show? Sounds like a morning show. Lale and Jay coming up. We're going to hear from them, Lale and Jay, and their own words in that event today with President Biden. Each made a slice of news, and we'll see what Rick and Jeannie think about that. On the fastest hour in politics, sound on. This is Bloomberg. Johann Schmiegel, you've got the world's highest IQ. Yes, 247. Wow. Did you know that thanks to Salesforce with Einstein AI, everyone's smarter? Now everyone's an Einstein, just like you. But I'm the smartest. Not anymore. With connected data and trusted AI, everyone can give customers experiences they've only dreamed of. Oh, look, here's a few Einsteins now. Hey, hi. Hola, amigo. Everyone's an Einstein? It's okay, Johan. Let it happen. The number one AI CRM. Now everyone's an Einstein with Salesforce. You're listening to Bloomberg Sound On with Joe Matthew on Bloomberg Radio. 
And after all the waiting, Chair Jay Powell seems to be keeping his job. Assuming that the confirmation takes place, the president's picks of Powell and Lael Brainerd as chair and vice chair of the Fed, as I read on the terminal, help him avoid a contentious Senate confirmation battle. This should be fairly easily done, according to our panel. Jeannie Shanzano and Rick Davis, Bloomberg Politics contributors, who are with us for the rest of the hour, coming back to talk with us right now. We've heard a lot of voices over the course of this special hour, and we're not done yet. We actually heard from, we saw them and heard from both, well, should I just call them Jay and Lael for continuity? This is Continuity Week. I mean, after all the talk, there they are, Joe Biden. I was in the room, South Court Auditorium, right across the driveway from the West Wing. They both reached for the same swinging rope. As they started speaking, here's Jay Powell. We know that high inflation takes a toll on families, especially those less able to meet the higher costs of essentials like food, housing and transportation. Mm -hmm. We use our tools both to support the economy in a strong labor market and to prevent higher inflation from becoming entrenched. Inflation. Was it three times? 16 seconds? Then? Lael Brainerd. They both spoke very briefly, but went for the same word. I'm committed to putting working Americans at the center of my work at the Federal Reserve. This means getting inflation down at a time when people are focused on their jobs and how far their paychecks will go. And she went on to speak about other issues, including regulations for banks, including acknowledging climate change and the role that it is playing in our economy. Jeannie Shanzano, not a coincidence that they both had to get to inflation right off the top, no? Not a coincidence at all. I mean, that is what the White House is focused on. That's what they obviously must be focused on. That's what this event was for. That's what this event was for. We're going to hear more from the president tomorrow on inflation. They are determined to get on top of this, and right, they should. So it is no coincidence. And, of course, also you mentioned they both spoke briefly about the issue of climate as well. Yes, they both uh, they both used these terms. It was, you know, interesting when we think about the vocabulary soup here that that we're swimming in in Washington. Rick Davis, uh, this was to put up a show, right? We're we're hawks on inflation. Maybe I shouldn't use the word hawk, but we're dealing with inflation. Oh, also, this climate thing is real. We're going to do that too. Yeah, this is interesting. Talking points for an independent Fed. Wait a minute. Uh, <laughs> uh, you know, I I thought uh, Jerome Powell. Uh, testified to Congress repeatedly that he thought inflation was transient. Yes. Remember, grin and bear it, public. Yeah, yes. It's going away. That's why uh, I had to ask Senator Warner and Brian Deese about that. If, has your opinion evolved on the transitory idea? You've noticed we don't hear that word a lot more, Rick. Well, it's because one in four consumers have cited inflation as impact on their living standard. Mm-hmm. That is why this administration is focused on this, rising home prices, vehicles, durable goods, these are all at a 50-year high, uh, and so I, I think this administration finally got the memo after taking an incredible hit on his popularity. President Biden has realized he is now the inflation president, and if he doesn't do something about it, midterms are going to look awful bad for him. Jeannie, it was interesting to hear the president straddle, and he's, he's been doing this more lately, straddling the line of, hey, look, we're still coming out of COVID, right? He talked about the risks that we still face, the progress that still must be had, while also trying to take a victory lap for pulling us back from the brink here, coming back from a pandemic. He talked about the strongest job growth and economic growth in history, in the history of presidents. How do you have both? 
that's going to be the challenge for this White House and, quite frankly, for the Fed. I mean, you know, one of the things that the administration has been so focused on is saying that they are addressing inflation, but always going back to the fact that we can't forget we are just coming out of a pandemic, and that is the cause of the inflation, and that they are going to be stabilizing it, and at the same time, they are going to be pushing for maximum employment. And the question, of course, is can you do both of those things and can you keep interest rates low? It seems to me he believes profoundly that Jay Powell is going to be able to do both of those things. I don't know if other people are as convinced. And on this issue of independence, which he's, he keeps stressing, <laughs> let's not forget that, you know, he is remaking the Fed uh, probably and more than, you know, any president in, in recent history, at least, has a chance to put his stamp on it and has promised to remake it in an image of strong regulation, focusing on climate. So independence, he says, and yet what happens next may, you know, put a little crink in that armor. Yeah, I want to ask you both about how this may or may not plan in, uh, play into uh, the reconciliation bill, which, you know, was a big deal, finally got a vote last week, passed the House. Now, going to the Senate, where it will likely undergo a lot of changes, and that creates a lot of question marks. There's going to need to be more bargaining, Rick Davis. Does President Biden hold these remaining seats as leverage over progressives? Elizabeth Warren, Jeff Merkley have already said their no vote. Sheldon Whitehouse is an issue. Is, is it going to come down to that kind of hand to hand? I won't say combat, but maybe negotiations. Yeah, this is the six degrees of separation for the uh, for the for the budget bill, and and I think that's exactly what he'll do. He's he's withheld these uh, for a lot of different reasons, probably, but not least of which because, you know, he's going to make sure that if he picks progressives, he's going to get their support for what is ultimately going to have to happen, which is a significant rewrite of the House bill by Joe Manchin. And when that happens, there are going to be a lot of very angry liberal Democratic senators, and they're going to need something. And he, this is one of the few things that he can put on the table immediately yeah. to get them to settle down and walk the straight line. But you referred to them, I believe, Jeannie, as sacrificial. That means this doesn't end well for progressives. I think there's a chance that at least one of the nominations he puts up of these three is going to be an appeal to progressives and they they simply won't be able to push it through. And the White House will simply say they tried and go back to somebody, um, you know, less in keeping with the liberal wing of his party. And, you know, the president said um, in the last couple of days that he was going to sign this Build Back Better bill and he is going to sign it. It sounded to me like regardless of whatever changes Manchin makes to it, I think the question now is can he hold not just the, the progressives in the Senate, but can he hold those progressives in the House? So yeah, right. he's got a long way to go on that. But I think he is determined to sign what comes through and he's going to you know, bow to Joe Manchin. He has no choice on that. Rick, this whole Fed process has uh, captivated the markets, the financial markets, for good reason. Everyday Americans don't follow the Fed. Maybe they, may, they might know who the chair is, maybe. Uh, does this play into midterms, at, at least in terms of showing the wheels turning, things happening, open seats being filled? You know, look, the only way this plays into the midterms, Joe, is if inflation comes down. You know, it not nobody will be able to say 
that Jay is the chairman of the Federal Reserve on Election Day. But if Jay does his job that Biden wants him to do and inflation goes from six and a half percent in October to something in the lower single digits, then then yes, that will actually resonate with voters. But it takes some time for voters to feel the improvement in the economy. Some pollsters tell me as much as six months. So if you really draw that back, they're down to the next six months to show improvement on inflation and the economy and jobs uh, in order to take advantage of it in the midterms. And Jeannie, in that time, Republicans are likely controlling the narrative over high prices, right? Can the president stick the landing or Democrats in general with that short of a time span? It's going to be very difficult. Historically, it's going to be difficult for them. It's going to be difficult because of the redrawing of these districts, and it's going to be most difficult because of inflation. You know, the White House keeps using that word, or they stopped a little bit of transitory. And yeah, yes, yeah. economically, it may, you know, inflation may go down, but people remember it. It's and the that's wrong point to make, right? It's, it could be transitory, but that's not the point. That's not the point, because we're paying every time we go to the store, we go fill up our gas tank. Yeah. People know this. So it's the kind kind of thing that is politically and the president knows this is politically incredibly damaging in what was already going to be a tough midterm for Democrats. Boy, another so many serious conversations today. And thank God Rick and Jeannie are here to help us through it on sound on. But I have to admit, after spending some time today at the White House in the midst of all the wrangling over the Fed, over the open seats, whether it's transitory, do we call it inflation? You know what happened? The tree showed up. 18 and a half foot Fraser fir from North Carolina. I'm told North Carolina is the spot for Christmas trees at the White House. It'll end up in the blue room. Maybe they're pulling it in there already following the first lady's inspection. That's what happened today. Here they come now as a four piece band was playing. The tree was ferried up the driveway to the North Portico. A green carriage pulled by two draft horses, Clydesdales, three gentlemen in black pork pie hats and matching masks. Dr. Biden, the first lady, wearing a cranberry-colored coat and white dress, as I read from the pool report here, inspected the tree and was greatly pleased. She removed a sprig from the tree and handed it to Beau Biden, her young grandson, before inviting a service family to pet the horses. Rick and Jeannie... This is something we need to remember, right? Humanity lives in Washington. Am I wrong, Rick? You're right on, boss. <laughs> I tried, Jeannie. Come on. I Give me a little it, holiday cheer here or something. It, it was lovely. I hope peanut butter and jelly, the turkeys were there to celebrate <laughs> with you all. That's the spirit. <laughs> Meet you back here tomorrow. I'm Joe Matthew. This is Bloomberg. Top Thrill 2 is like no other course. Two 420-foot vertical speedways, three launches. All right, let's talk strategy. Copy that, driver. Go for maximum acceleration off the start. Measure that. You've got a short straightaway to push from 0 to 74 on the first vertical speedway. And what about the rollback? Rollback will set you up for an explosive reverse climb 420 feet in the sky so you reach 0 Gs in total weightlessness. 420 feet of straight-up speed. Let's get it. Top Thrill 2, the world's tallest and fastest triple-launch Stratocoaster. Get your tickets at cedarpoint.com. The Hartford understands protecting your business with the proper insurance can be a challenge. The Hartford team can provide coverage to suit your industry. The Hartford empowers mid- to large-size companies like yours to help manage risk, from liability and property insurance to workers' comp and more. Let the Hartford help protect what's unique about your business. Learn how 
at thehartford.com.